Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Well, the sun is coming out, weather is getting warmer, and we're digging out our summer clothes for our favorite swimming holes or sunny days at the park. Even though we may think the sun isn't as strong here in Newfoundland and Labrador as it might be when we take our vacations down south, we're actually at the same risk for skin damage in many cases. Sun exposure and sunburns can lead to increased risk of skin cancer, and it's estimated that up to one in four Canadians will develop a form of it in their lifetime. So with us today, we have Dr. Ian Landells, who's a dermatologist and the founder of the Landells Clinic. Dr. Landells graduated from Memorial University in the medical school and went on to study pediatric medicine at MUN and then dermatology at the University of British Columbia. He then did a fellowship training in pediatric dermatology at Northwestern University and Children's Memorial Hospital in Chicago, Illinois. He's practiced adult and pediatric dermatology in St. John's since 1996. And during that time, he's done a lot of things. He's been the president of the Canadian Dermatology Association and the Atlantic Provinces Dermatology Association. He's a clinical professor in medicine at Memorial University, and he's a member of the editorial board of major journals in dermatology. He's actually participated in over 100 clinical trials. So he is a tremendous advocate for health, especially when it comes to avoiding skin cancer. Now today we're also gonna to touch on some other important skin conditions like acne and healthy aging. So we have a lot to fit into this episode. Let's get to it and check out our talk with Dr. Ian Landells. Welcome to the show, Dr. Landells. Thank you very much, Mike. Pleasure to be here, or should I say Dr. Wall? Uh, well, yes, we've known each other for an awful long time. And when we first met, I was not Dr. Wald. It's really nice to have you on the show because you're an expert, you're a dermatologist, and we're going to talk about something that's really important, and that's sun exposure and skin health and everything to do with dermatology today. Can you give the audience a bit of background on yourself? Sure. I'm a dermatologist. I've been practicing in St. John's for 25 years. I actually did subspecialty work in pediatric dermatology as well. I did most of my training and medical training here in Newfoundland. I actually practiced as a family doctor for two years and then went back and studied uh, derm pediatrics, dermatology, and pediatric dermatology, which I did in Vancouver and Chicago. But I've been back for 25 years and I'm a big proponent of sun protection and skin health and uh, just overall health. And it is such a pleasure to be here. And I love what you're doing in promoting health. So thanks for uh, having me. Well, thanks. And you know, this goes back to a conversation we had when we first met and you really explained how important it was to protect our skin. And that stuck with me for my entire life. So that's why I really wanted to reach out to you today. But for people that are listening, they may not understand specialties in medicine. What is a dermatologist and what's your role? So dermatology is the study of disorders uh, of the skin, hair, and nails. And people, a lot of people don't realize that it's more than just the skin, that the skin and the hair and the nails are all kind of interconnected. Uh, and so we study the disorders and, and health of, of those, those areas. So we look after any skin disorder, which would range from eczema, eczema, to psoriasis, to acne, to warts but uh, also most importantly, skin cancer, mm. uh, but also any disorders of the hair, whether it's uh, androgenetic alopecia, or, you know, male or female pattern hair loss to disorders where the hair comes out in patches, but also disorders of the nails. Right, I mean, skin is a massive organ. Is it the largest organ in the body, I heard? 
It is. It is the largest organ in the body, and it is so much more than just a covering. It is. It is a, a multi-purpose, multi-faceted organ that is that is absolutely fascinating. Right. And so before we get into some of the specific circumstances, like, for example, skin cancer and, and sun protection, you know, our skin is always shedding up. Our nails are growing. Our hair is always growing. How does skin work? Because I feel like it's different than other organs. Well, it's not that different because our other organs are also constantly turning over cells. And it, it's it's because as cells age, they start to mutate and they start to develop problems. So we shed the old cells and new ones develop. And the the skin is one of the most rapid to, to turn over. So it's great for healing, but it's also great for maintaining the health of your skin because as, as they age, as they become uh, less capable of, of performing all of their tasks, they're, they're shed. And uh, you know those, those dust bunnies that you see under your bed are primarily shed skin. I know it's probably a gross thought, but that's what it is. Everybody will be getting their Swiffer out directly after this yeah, episode. Universal ooh there. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. That's the kind of stuff that'll stick with people. I, another thing people may not understand is that our skin produces vitamin D, which helps our whole body. Can you explain vitamin D? Because that's critically important for folks. I certainly can. I think it's important that you realize that your skin is much more than just a protective barrier, that it actually has nerves. It has blood vessels. It it. Um, communicates with your brain, it communicates with your liver, it communicates with your gut. And, and all of these organs work interchangeably in, in many different ways. And, you know, at, we actually convert hormones in our skin. So uh, it, it's it, an endocrine organ. It, 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 uh, it, it is a, a mediator of inflammation, inflammatory mediators. Are, and it's also a big part of our immune system. It's the, it's the first line of defense of our immune system and our skin is just teeming with immune cells that are looking for bacteria and viruses, but also cancers. Um, and one of the roles, one of the endocrine roles of the skin is it converts a form of cholesterol, a natural form of cholesterol that's in our skin to vitamin D. And it does that by interacting with UVB or ultraviolet B light from the sun. And it's important to understand that the sun produces several different types of ultraviolet light. Most of it, most of it is ultraviolet A, like 90, 95% of, of ultraviolet is ultraviolet A light. And that's the one that ages our skin. It goes through windows, it goes through car windshields, it goes through clouds, and it's present year round all the time. So ultraviolet A, and that's the main one that's in tanning beds. It tans our skin. It is also related to cancer of the skin, and it's also related to um, aging. And it's the main one that ages our skin by breaking down the elastic and the collagen and the blood vessels and, and changing the pigment. So it makes our skin sag and wrinkle and get blotchy and red um, and, and causes cancer. But ultraviolet B, which is a much smaller part of the spectrum of light, it's about 5%, that actually interacts with our skin and cholesterol is converted to a precursor of vitamin D. Then that precursor has to go to the liver and it's, it's hydroxylated. It gets some oxygen and hydrogen in the liver and it's converted to another stage. And then it goes to the kidney and it's converted one more time with oxygen and hydrogen. And that's where it becomes the active vitamin D that's so important for our bone growth and other elements of our health. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's how it works. The problem is, is that ultraviolet B 
is only really available for, for a few months of the year. Mm -hmm. And at our latitude, it's all based on how far north you are. You have to be below 37 degrees of latitude to get enough UVB through the year to maintain adequate vitamin D levels. So that's below San Francisco. Oh, right, right. So anyone who lives north of San Francisco does not get enough ultraviolet B to maintain adequate vitamin D production in their skin. So we all need to take supplements. All Canadians and most Americans who live above that level need to take vitamin D supplements because our skin can't keep up with it. Right. And so what are the repercussions if we don't get enough vitamin D? Well, the main one is osteoporosis. I mean, there are lots of repercussions and there, there's actually been implications with certain types of cancer and MS, uh, but the main thing is, is healthy bone growth. And osteoporosis is a big one because it, it helps us absorb calcium. So vitamin D is what helps us absorb dietary calcium into our bodies to be then stored into our bones. And so osteoporosis is a huge problem, mainly because of inactivity. Exercise helps us build our bones, just the, the action on our bones. But we need the building blocks, which are, you know, vitamin D and calcium and calcium in particular. And so that, that's the big thing. And a lot of people say, oh, well, gee, I'm going to tan all summer to get my vitamin D going. Cause I heard I can't get enough during the winter. The problem is you can't stockpile it. Yeah. And you don't need very much really 10 to 15 minutes, a couple of times a week in your hands and face is enough to produce the vitamin D that your skin and that, that maxes out your ability. You won't get any more. So if you go out for an hour or two or three, you're not going to make any more. Plus you don't stockpile it. So once you hit really for, for us, it's from, uh, really April to October is the only time that we are going to be exposed to enough ultraviolet B. And if you go out in the sun in the winter, trying to get more, you're not going to get it, but you are going to get ultraviolet A, which causes cancer and which ages your skin. And that that's the same throughout the year. Right. And, so and, and penetrates clouds. So it's really, really important that people realize you don't need much 10, 15 minutes, a couple of times a week on your, on your skin, but we all really need to take vitamin D supplements. So I personally, I use sunscreen every day mm -hmm. because the risks of exposure to excessive amounts of both UVB and UVA, ultraviolet A and B from the sun, jacks up your risk of cancer dramatically. Skin cancer, melanoma, which is life-threatening, squamous cell carcinoma, which can be life-threatening, and basal cell carcinoma, which just destroys eyes and noses and causes major problems. They're all increased by exposure to the sun. So I wear sunscreen every day and I a thousand international units of vitamin D every day of the year. That's what I was going to ask. So how much should most you know, the average person take? And this might be specific to a certain population, but for most people, a thousand I use is, is sufficient. Yes, it is. Yeah. And in fact, probably 600 is adequate, but they say you're not going to do any harm. And it's all about absorption because vitamin D is a fat soluble vitamin. So it needs to be taken with a little bit of fat to actually be absorbed into your body. So, uh, so you need to take it with a meal or something with a bit of fat, a little bit of full fat or at least partial fat yogurt or whatever you want to take it with. Nice. Okay. That sounds great. I mean, I, I used to take mine with some omega-3 oil and that was the way I used to take it. That's what I do. Actually, I take it with a salmon oil capsule. There you go. Same deal. We're talking healthy skin and sun exposure with dermatologist, Dr. Ian Landells. We'll be right back after this break.
Welcome back. We're talking healthy skin and sun exposure with dermatologist Dr. Ian Landells. Let's get back to the interview. Uh, how really specifically does the sun cause sunburns and, and cause this damage? Because this is the time of year. Our UV can be really high here in Newfoundland, even though we're not like in the tropics, like some people would expect. Well, that, that's a really, really uh, excellent point. So it, the ultraviolet, it, it's radiation. It is radiation, just like an X-ray is radiation. You go to a nuclear power plant and it get exposed. That's radiation. So radiation causes mutations in our cells when, when we're exposed. And the, this damage is cumulative. So from the time you are a toddler running around in a sprinkler naked in your backyard to when you start going swimming with your friends in ponds or if you're crazy enough, the ocean, or just walking around with your skin exposed to lying out in the sun, heaven forbid, if you actually were crazy enough to have done that unprotected, Every time you're out, you're getting cumulative doses of radiation, and that's hitting the cells in your skin. And that causes mutations in our DNA. So, you know, the, what, the, what we keep trying to tell people is there's no such thing as a safe tan. A tan is your body producing pigment from, from pigment cells, and it's trying to set up a shield to shield the DNA in your skin cells. It's the only protection we have. Well, actually there are two, the skin thickens. Mm -hmm. So when you're exposed to the sun, the skin starts to thicken, which makes the radiation has to go a little deeper to get at the essential cells, but it also lays out pigment and pigment is like a shield. It's not great. So the best tan out there, the George Hamilton tan is, is like uh, SPF four sunscreen. Right, right. It's okay. It's not great, but it's, it's okay. And that's all we have. So the process that initiates that thickening and, and tanning is DNA damage. So it doesn't happen unless you have damaged your DNA. And that's what starts that process. And, um, and so it, you can't get a safe tan. It's damaging the cells. It, it's a gradual thing. If you get a burn, it really dramatically increases your, your risk of skin cancer. But you don't ever have to burn to get skin cancer. One bad burn increases your risk of melanoma, which is the, the worst and, and deadliest type of skin cancer, and also basal cell cancer, which is the least aggressive, but it's the chronic cumulative exposure, like, like working in an x-ray department. You know, they have these little meters that measure how much radiation they've been exposed to over their careers. And once they hit a certain point, they say, time out, you, you, can't, you can't be exposed to any more because you've just jacked up your risk of all kinds of cancers. It's the same with the sun. Wow. Well, I used to see that in the offshore. Some of the guys that were pulling some of the pipe out of the ground, they would have to measure it all and they would have a cumulative meter. And after a while, they weren't allowed to do that role anymore because they'd been exposed. So that's, that's pretty wild. Do you think that the sun is this form of radiation? So how does sunblock work then if that's one of the protective mechanisms we have? There are two types of sunblock and there are the chemical sunscreens and there are the physical sunscreens. And a lot of them have both physical and chemical and, and they are the ideal ones. And so the chemical sunscreens work by converting ultraviolet energy, UVA and UVB energy into heat. So it's, it's, an, it's a chemical conversion and it liberates heat and is given off as heat. Whereas the physical sunscreens work like a protective barrier that sit on the surface of your skin and it bounces the UV uh, radiation off the skin. That's how that works. And so the best sunscreens do both. Now, 
some people these days are, are a little bit concerned about using the chemicals on their skin because there have been reports that some of these chemicals are absorbed into the body and they've been they've been able to detect it in the blood they have not yet shown that that does anything bad the fact that it's in your blood doesn't mean anything and if they did the same tests with makeup they find the same thing so people who are putting makeup on their skin every day mm -hmm. will find that there are traces of that makeup in their bloodstream it's just the way it works but they don't test for that they're yeah. testing with sunscreen, but they're not testing it with makeup and other lotions and creams and things that people apply to their skin. But the physical sunscreens don't do that. They, they work as a barrier. So if anyone is concerned, the physical sunscreens work well, and they actually feel a little lighter, and they don't sting your eyes. So I, I hear all kinds of excuses for not wearing sunscreen, and people who exercise or run or do whatever, they say, oh, man, I put it on my face. It runs. I, my eyes water and stink. Physical sunscreens don't do that. So if that's an issue, use one that says mineral or physical. And that, personally, it's what I use on my face. And wear it every day because you mentioned it earlier. We get high UV index. So when you're looking at the forecast, Environment Canada will post the temperature and the conditions, but also every day they post the UV index. So the ultraviolet index is how much UV is you're going to be exposed to. And that's really only a factor of the time of year. So right from March 21st to September 21st, the days are getting longer. So way to remember it is the longer the days, the more intense the UV. So think about Newfoundland weather in April and May in particular. We get many days where the UV index, which is, you know, goes up to, you know, at the highest you're going to see here is eight or nine, yeah. which is really, really intense. If it's three or above, you need sun protection. We often get a UV index that's higher than the temperature. So the right. UV index will be four or five, the temperature is three. Mm -hmm. uh, that probably will be the case today. Today right. is a very cold, drizzly day. Uh, and the UV index is going up to six today, which is right. high. So the, it's all about time of year. And the UV index in June, late June, is usually higher than in early August, which is when we think you really need to protect yourself. Yeah, we had a really warm day the other day, and the UV index was nine. It was just as high yeah. as it can get. So, so yeah, so that's a that's a big thing. So uh, we go out in the sun now. So give me the protocol of how we would protect our skin. There's other things we can do as well. We can wear coverings, but do we put sunblock on after a few minutes, or how do we how do we sort of navigate the sun protection? Well, ideally, the best thing is you're you're never going to guess when you need to sun protection. Really, from the end of March to the end, end of September, you probably need sunscreen 90% of the days. There are a few you won't, but you're going to guess wrong if you're guessing. Just put it on every day and put it on any sun-exposed skin, preferably an SPF 50 plus. 30 is the bare minimum we recommend. If it's 15, it's, it's, you're wasting your time. A mistake a lot of people make when they're putting on sunscreen, and you need to put it on, don't forget areas like your ears, the back of your neck, sides of your neck, your chest. Right here, like the, the V area of your chest, I see a ton of skin cancer there. And it's because people forget about that. They were V-necks and it, it creates damage. And the backs of the hands. So these are the areas that are exposed year round. And as I mentioned, it's cumulative. So put sunscreen on all those areas and you need a significant amount, uh, much more than most people use. So for your face and neck alone, you need half a teaspoon. That's 2.5 mils. So half a teaspoon, it's a puddle in your hand. And don't squirt on your hand and rub them together. 
and then kind of pat all over. What you've just done then is you've put half of it on the palms of your hands. So if, <laughs> you know, you're dancing outside, put your hands up in the air. Those are protected, but your face and neck probably aren't that well protected. Um, it, it's important to just put it there, put it on the tips of your fingers and make sure you rub it into all these areas. Then in addition to doing that, um, a half teaspoon for your face, you need a half teaspoon for each arm, a teaspoon for each leg and a teaspoon for your chest and a teaspoon for your back. So that's two, that's, that's a full ounce, 30 mils. If you were putting sunscreen on everywhere, going swimming or whatever, you need 30 mils. So the average bottle is going to last maybe six full applications. So if you have a bottle of sunscreen that you've had since last year and you're saying, gee, I wonder if this is still good and you used it all last year, you are not using enough. And that's why people say, oh, you know, I, I put on sunscreen all the time, but I tan. And it just means you didn't put on enough. So the SPF uh, gives you, it's the extra sun protection factor. And I, like if you have an SPF 30 or 50 or 60, what does that mean when it comes to reapplying? Because there's a math equation involved with this for reapplication if you're exposed to the sun. Well, the, the simple fact is you should probably reapply every two or three hours and anytime you've been swimming or sweating a lot because it, it comes off. And the waterproof, when they say waterproof or water resistant, that means it just doesn't immediately rinse off. So if you swim or sweat, you do need to put it on, you, you, you need to put it on after you're done. But if it doesn't say water resistant, basically it's useless. So SPF is sun protection factor. Like you said, it only actually applies to prevention of burning. So it actually only applies to blockage of UVB, which is the one that burns. UVA is not reflected in SPF at all. That's why it should also say broad spectrum. So broad spectrum means it blocks UVA. SPF refers to basically how much longer you can stay out before you burn. So an SPF 30 means you can be outside 30 times longer before you burn. So if most people burn in about 15, 20 minutes, so an SPF 30 would mean it's 30 times longer. So, you know, 600 minutes, um, you know, and for, uh, but that's if it's put on in a perfect situation, you're not sweating, you're not rubbing it off and, and it does wear off over time. And oddly, some of the sunscreen breaks down in the sun. So you need to reapply every two or three hours, but the uh, SPF only works if you put on that amount I talked about. So a half teaspoon on your face, half teaspoon on each arm, teaspoon on each leg. Okay, one more question to do with what's going on with the pandemic. People are wearing masks. Would that cause it to wear off quicker? It may, but it, it will also protect you because the other part of the equation is sunscreen alone is an imperfect way of protecting your skin. It should really only be applied to exposed skin. It's not an excuse to expose more skin. So you should really be wearing clothing that covers your shoulders in particular. So tank tops, not a good idea. We see a lot of skin cancer on the tops of the shoulders um, and on the legs. So, you know, preferably you're wearing clothing that, that protects you. Uh, and also a hat, which protects the top of your head. Most men are, you know, our hair thins. And even people, who, even guys who've got hair and women too, because um, 40% of women, their hair thins and 50% of men, their hair thins. The top of the head gets a lot of sun. So if you can actually see a little bit of scalp showing through, it's being hit by the sun. So a hat is necessary. Sunglasses, UV radiation causes cataracts. So cataracts are 
partially or mainly caused by UV exposure. So wear good UV 400 sunglasses, the ones that block the full spectrum. UV 400 means it blocks up the full spectrum of UVA. And just sun protective clothing, that's really, really critical. We're talking healthy skin and sun exposure with dermatologist, Dr. Ian Landells. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. We're talking healthy skin and sun exposure with dermatologist, Dr. Ian Landells. Let's get back to the interview. So, so you know, we're hitting on something that's really important and that is skin cancer. Before we talk about specifics and types of skin cancer, how big of an issue is it? How many people face it? What's the population statistics around it? Well, around one in four to one in five Canadians will get skin cancer in their lifetime. It is actually the most common form of any cancer. And there are more new skin cancers every year diagnosed than lung, bowel, gut, and breast combined. Right. So it, it is it is the most common form of cancer. Now, thankfully, 80% of those are basal cell cancers, which just have to be cut out in most cases. So it, people say, oh, it's only a basal cell. Yeah, it's only a basal cell. Yeah, you might have a huge scar on your forehead or your arm, or your leg. But I, I know people who've personally who've lost their eyes to basal cell carcinoma, their nose, they, it, they, it just eats into things relentlessly. So that's, that's the harmless one. Yeah. 15% <laughs> of cancer, uh, skin cancer or squamous cell cancer that can spread to lymph nodes and can be a big, big problem. And 5% are melanoma and that kills a lot of people. And uh, we, we, we see many deaths per year from melanoma and it, and it can be very devastating. And, the, and it, skin cancer is the most preventable form of cancer. Mm -hmm. Estimated mm -hmm. that 95% of skin cancers are preventable through sun protection, period. Oh. Wow. And that's because, as I mentioned, the mutations that, that uh, begin skin cancer are caused by the radiation damaging our DNA and our skin cells. But the other part of it is our body is constantly battling little cancers. Our immune system not only fights infections, but it fights cancer uh, by detecting little early cancers and reacting to them and making them go away. Well, UV radiation damages our skin, creates DNA damage, starts skin cancer. It also suppresses our immune system in our skin. Oh. So it's immunosuppressive, that's bad. And that's why, you know, you get your first blast of sun in the spring, a cold sore comes out. So people who get cold sores, they're activated by the sun. That's because our immune system's keeping that virus at bay and we get a blast of sun, it knocks out our defenses and the herpes virus gets out of jail and, and comes out onto our skin. Well, the same story. So the way I put it is the UV radiation from the sun and artificial tanning, by the way, is, is even worse. So tanning beds are worse. It initiates the damage, so it plants the seed of the cancer and it also fertilizes it by knocking out our only natural defense against that cancer progressing. Wow. So it's that so it's been shown that if you have early skin cancers developing, if you just start wearing sunscreen every day, a lot of them just go away. Huh. So your body Without can actually heal itself from those if it's detected early. And it allows uh, us to, exactly it allows us to naturally take care of them. 
Wow. And I mean, you know, given the advice that you just provided us and the fact that we do have a overall shorter season of potential exposure than a place like Southern California or Florida, you know, we should be in a good situation. But are we still seeing high rates in places like Newfoundland of skin cancer? Our rates are the same as right across Canada. So so again, this is the misconception. Cloud cover only filters about 20 percent of UV radiation. It makes it feel cold, so it's colder, but the UV index is higher. Um, And keep in mind that ultraviolet A doesn't burn your skin and it's present year round. So if you spend, if you're an outdoors person, and I am, I'm outdoors all the time, I love it. And um, so, you know, I'm biking year round, I'm hiking, whatever, that UVA is around year round. So Mm -hmm. January, February, those bright sunny days, especially around snow, Mm-hmm. or sand or water, it doubles the amount that's hitting your skin because it bounces off those light surfaces. Concrete, sand, water, and snow, it will bounce off. So some, I, I can honestly tell you one of the worst sunburns I ever had in my life was on my face skiing mm. in, in late March. Right, and, yeah. And it was a beautiful sunny spring day and I, my face looked like a tomato, it was brutal. Admittedly, I had one of those and I've had one being in the water before and I learned my lesson. So I wear zinc oxide and, uh, you know, I look like I, I come from the movie It, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's healthier in the long well, run. I don't, and you don't. The thing is, you don't have to look like that. The newer physical sunscreens blend in and I've got it on right now. So let's talk about how do people recognize that maybe they're developing uh, uh, skin cancer or there's a bad mole or something along those lines. Well, there are a few things you want to look for. Um, The most common thing to look for would be a little tiny scaly spot that comes and goes and comes and goes in the same location, usually in one of the most sun exposed areas of your skin. So that would be along the forehead, the temples, along the top of the nose, the cheekbones, tops of the ears, lower lip, along the lower lip, backs of the hands. Those would be if you think about it, the most UV radiation year round is on those areas. So look for a little rough scaly area that comes and goes, maybe looks a little red. And, and that is the beginning of a squamous cell. It's called nactinic keratosis and it's a precancer. Very easily treated with liquid nitrogen, uh, just a little shot like freezing a wart and that gets rid of it. But sunscreen can allow those to go away too. If you start wearing sunscreen every day, that's the kind of thing that will just go away because of your immune system. Basal cell cancer looks like a little sort of shiny, pearly bump. And it's almost slightly translucent, might have a few blood vessels in the surface, just a little bump, looks fairly harmless, skin colored. Squamous cell cancer is is like a hard, scaly area that starts to grow and thicken up on the skin. But melanoma, which is the big baddie, that that usually looks like a little black spot or a multicolored mole. So it can develop from moles, but most of them actually start, just begin on their own and, and grow. It'll look like a mole, but it will be changing. So the, the way to remember the features we look for in moles or in these spot, these little pigmented spots can be remembered by A, B, C, D, E. A is for asymmetry. So if you draw an imaginary line through the middle of it, if one side looks different from the other, it's asymmetrical. That should be double checked by your family physician or if necessary, a dermatologist. B is for the border or the edge. That should be nice and sharp and crisp. If it's kind of smudgy or jagged, that should be double-checked. It doesn't have to be round. It can be you know, oval or whatever, but if, it is, if it's jagged or smudgy, that should be checked out. 
C is for color. If it has more than one color, so if it's got dark areas, light areas, red areas, black areas, that should be checked out. Or if it's just jet black, if it's a really black looking lesion, that should be checked out. D is for diameter. If it's bigger than about the top of a pencil eraser or six millimeters, that should be checked out. That does not apply to the ones you're born with. They tend to be bigger anyway, so don't worry if, it, if it's one you've had all your life. And E is for evolution. And this is probably the biggest one, evolution or change. So rapid change in size, shape, color, itching, bleeding, any significant change, get it checked out. Now, if you have these features on a mole, don't panic. Don't go, oh my God, I've got melanoma. Just say, I got to get this checked out because most of the time I'll see people say, yeah, that's a little asymmetrical or that's very, but I'll look at it closely. I'll say, that's, it looks fine. Okay. So, so don't freak out, but don't ignore it either because right. it could. Yeah, exactly. Go get it checked out. Put your mind at ease. It exactly. might be nothing, but if it is something, you're catching it early. And like you said, early treatment seems to be the best approach. We're talking with dermatologist Dr. Ian Landells about skin health. When we come back, we'll talk about acne and healthy skin aging. Stick around. Welcome back. We're here with Dr. Ian Landells, dermatologist, who's sharing everything skin health. Let's get back to the interview. Acne is another thing that, that people struggle with. You can have acne your entire life. It happens a lot to younger people. But tell me about acne and, uh, and, and sort of how that works. Sure. Um, well, acne certainly is, is arguably the most common skin problem. And, and you know, 90, 95% of people, or I'd say 100% have had a pimple at some point, And it can be, you know, quite severe. And, and, and it can be scarring. It can scar your skin permanently. And, and disfigure you, but it can also scar people emotionally. It has a huge impact on people's self-esteem because it usually happens in adolescence. And that's a really particularly vulnerable stage of our lives emotionally. And, you know, any kind of physical or visible difference affects people. You know, people talk about having a bad hair day. Well, imagine having a, an ongoing bad skin day. You know, it, may, it really, it makes you feel badly about yourself and it shouldn't because it really has no reflection on you, but unfortunately it does. So what's going on is it's a combination of hormones and genetics. So the genetic component is that people who tend to inherit to get acne, the skin that's lining their hair follicles and all of our body, face, everywhere, we have hair follicles and uh, there's a hair coming out of that of each one and there's an oil gland attached to each one and the oil gland pumps oil into the hair follicle and it comes up and out of the opening. When people who tend to get acne, they have inherited a tendency for the skin that's lining their hair follicles that sheds all the time. We talked about shedding of skin, which is happening all the time. It sheds not as individual tiny skin cells, which is usually the case, but as sheets or clumps of skin cells that are all clumped together. So they're much larger and they've got to migrate up and out of that little tiny opening, the hair follicle, and, and they're too big, they block it up and it plugs up the opening. And then that oil that's being pumped into the follicle can't get out. So it starts to swell and bulge and that turns into a whitehead or a blackhead. So a whitehead is just a mixture of oil and skin that's, that can't get out that's slowly swelling and, and distending and it, and it pushes up and looks like a little white bump. A blackhead is if a little bit of that plug actually protrudes out through the opening of the follicle 
and it reacts with air and light and oxidizes and it turns black. So it's not dirt. You can't scrub it away. It is it, actually that the tip of the iceberg, that little plug just turning black. And what happens when we hit puberty, of course, is our hormones start to surge and testosterone in guys and progesterone in women stimulates the oil glands to start producing way, way, way more oil. They go into overdrive. It's, you know, our hair gets greasier, our skin gets oilier. And so obviously if you're producing way more oil, it makes these, these follicles swell up more and more extensively. And the highest concentration of oil glands in our body are in the T-zone of the face, the chest, and the upper back. And that's where we get acne. But then on top of that, the, the, uh, that swelling becomes bigger and bigger. They start to distend. Sometimes they actually get so big that they rupture. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole follicle ruptures because it can't get out. You can imagine a balloon that's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You're pumping air into it, it and it just goes boom and it bursts. And, and that oil and skin goes out into the surrounding tissue and it's treated like a foreign body or a splinter. And we create inflammation reacting to that foreign material. And that's when you got a cyst or a nodule. And on top of that, there are bacteria that live in our follicles and they love that oil and skin and they flourish and they cause us to create inflammation. So you get redness, inflammation, pustules, little pussy areas and these nodules, and that can cause permanent disfiguring scarring in the skin. So that's why it happens at puberty. Some people grow out of it, but easily 15, 20% of adults have acne, 90% of 12 to 20 five-year-olds have acne. So it's, it's extremely common. So are there some new treatments? Because I feel like there's been a lot of evolutions in treatment of acne. We have a lot of treatments and you have to tackle the different aspects. So I talked about the shedding of the skin, the oil production from hormones and the bacteria. Those are the, the main factors. So we have creams that will help to Uh, change the turnover of the skin so it sheds its tiny individual skin cells again. So the retinoids are the linchpin or the foundation of treatment. That's vitamin A cream. So you've heard of Retin-A. There are a whole bunch of different ones. They're called retinoids. Retinol is available over the counter. Um, And those vitamin A's help to normalize the turnover of the skin so it sheds normally. So you use those regularly. That helps to prevent that blockage of of the pore. Um, and uh, that takes about two to three months of regular use to really see it kicking in. So it takes time and you have to use it everywhere. It's not a spot treatment. You put it everywhere where you tend to break out. It has to be used very sparingly because it can be drying and irritating and make sure you put it on the skin when it's dry, not when it's damp or you'll absorb too much. So that's the foundation. Then we can use antibiotics. Benzyl peroxides are available over the counter as well, and they help to control the bacteria and help to exfoliate a little bit on the surface. And then you can add things that control the oil production. And the and women actually have more options. Birth control pills, certain ones will help, certain ones will are neutral, and some will actually make it worse. And the kiss of death for women with acne is to get, uh, if you heard of uh, Depo-Provera, it's the injection, the birth control injection they get every three months, very convenient. However, it is like jet fuel for acne. It, it is literally like liquid acne pumping it into, uh, into the skin. So not good for people who are prone to getting acne. But there are birth control pills that can help. And then there's another blood pressure medication called aldactone that reduces the, uh, the hormonal stimulation of, of oil. We use oral antibiotics as anti-inflammatories, things like doxycycline, which we give for weeks. We're not treating an infection. We're using it as an anti-inflammatory. And then ultimately there's a pill called 
isotretinoin, which is known as Accutane or Epirus. And it's, it's kind of uh, like retin-A in a pill and it can cure it. It actually can cure it. You take it for five to six months and 80% of people, their acne is done, gone. Wow. Yeah. So we've got lots of options. That's got to be really rewarding for a physician like yourself as well to have people come in and, and be able to solve problems like that, which can be, although not life-threatening, can be uh, you know challenging for them, especially at that time of life, like you said. Yeah, Mike, that's really insightful. It, it actually is one of the most rewarding things I do, especially at that age, because you see these these teenagers coming in and, and they come in and their head is down. They won't look you in the eye. They don't like looking up because their acne is visible. You can tell that they are, they feel defeated. Mm. And you, you tell them I can help you and they're kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'll see what you can do. And at the end, when they come back and their acne has gone, their heads up, they're smiling. You can just tell it has transformed them. And it, it is amazing, amazing to do that for people. It's it really wonderful. It's so good to see that transformation. Before we finish up, the last thing I want to talk about is just aging. We've sort of talked a lot about that with sun exposure and the chronic damage to the skin, but how does aging work? And what are some quick tips for folks to be able to sort of reduce the, the impacts of their skin getting older? Well, that's a, that's a really good question. And, and um, you know, obviously aging, it, it, part, of it, part of it is literally just time passing and our, and our cells become less capable of turning over and, and reproducing. And, you know, we, it, it's, you know, senescence, we call it. And, and, and so that's part of it. But what most people don't realize when it comes to the skin, 90% of aging is sun damage. And it's the older you are, that the more UV radiation you've been exposed to over your lifetime and the older the skin looks. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is look at your forearm. So look, look at the outside of your forearm and then look at the inside of your forearm. And if you want to see what your skin would look like if you had protected it from the sun your whole life, look just under your arm in particular, that's an area that's shaded all the time, or obviously under your underwear. You know, they talk about smooth as a baby's bum. Well, most, most adults' bums are much smoother and uh, less textured. So the aging process uh, that we see from the sun is it causes brown spots, pigmented spots, and people call them age spots. They're not age spots, they're sun spots. And again, look at the outside of your arm versus the inside of your arm, and you'll see this is covered with freckles or age spots, and the, the, this part is not. It's that simple. And it also damages the blood vessels, the elastic tissue in the blood vessels. So they expand and you start to look red and blotchy. Uh, it causes the pigment cells to, to be damaged. And so you get brown spots developing, but also you can get little white areas where you've burned out the, the pigment cells. And, and so honestly, the best way to protect your skin from aging is let's go back to it, sun protection. So cover your skin with clothing, use sun sunscreen or sunblock, whichever you wanna call it on sun, all sun exposed skin. And don't forget these areas. You wanna see somebody's age, look right here in the V area of the chest. Uh, and it, it's something I do when I'm teaching. I, I work at the cancer clinic every Wednesday morning. And I see these, these people who are in their sixties or seventies and they take their shirts off and I, show the medical students that literally you move two centimeters away from that V area of the chest and the skin looks 30 years younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, the only difference was a shirt. Right. That's right. the only difference between that skin and that skin is they wore a shirt. Uh, and, and so clothing makes a big, big difference too. 
Well, it's so funny. The technology behind clothing is so good these days. And everybody knows that if you're outdoors in Newfoundland, you need to bring layers anyway. You can yeah. get really great quality, breathable base layers that are protect you against the sun, but also probably keep you cooler than you would be if you were wearing that tank top. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And, you know, I had this argument with my daughter the other day. <laughs> And, and she was going on the tank top. She said, it's so hot. And I said, you will actually be cooler in a white t-shirt that covers your shoulders. And, you know, just look to cultures and nations where it is sunny and hot all the time. Yeah. India, Middle East, Africa, what do they wear? They wear long, loose, flowing cotton clothes that are breathable, but cover their skin because you are, if the sun's hitting your skin directly, it's much hotter than if you've got like a light colored cotton breathable shirt on, on covering your shoulders. They will be much cooler. That's great advice. You know, anything you want to leave the audience with before we close up today's show? No, just, just realize that your skin is much more than just a protective layer. And it's much more than something that people look at. It, it is a vital organ in your body that maintains your immune system, your, your health, it, it fights off infection, it fights off cancer. It's communicating with all the parts of your body and, and is, is so important. So take care of it, protect it and, and you know, cover it with sun protective clothing, use sunscreen, sunblock. It is the best thing you can do. And uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to share this, Mike. It's been such a pleasure. Great yeah. to see you. It's great to see you too. Thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and uh, I'm sure I'll see you around. Thanks so much, Dr. Landells. Cheers. Thanks again. Well, thank you to Dr. Landells for sharing his advice with us today. I know that after our first conversation about the sun many years ago, I changed my habits almost immediately and I hope that you do the same. So remember, keep covered up and sun protected, but make sure you enjoy the summer and get outside and be active. Well, that's our episode this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.